What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 27 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we have such a good interview today for all you listeners. It's with Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. He is a senior social producer. He also writes for CBS Sports MLB. He is the new host of the Wake and Rake podcast with World Series champion Will Middlebrooks. He's doing a ton of awesome stuff in the baseball landscape. And we have him on to talk contenders versus pretenders. Pat and I highlight a few different teams, a player or two to talk about. As we're in, we a full month of baseball is behind us. We talk about it all with Danny. So sit back, relax, and right after the interview, we will go through our craziest numbers of the week. Okay, so welcome, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on. We have a fun segment today of contenders versus pretenders. Pat and I had a a lively debate a couple weeks ago on our weekly walk-off episode about when we can start taking records seriously. I said a month in. Pat was a few weeks after that. I don't remember the exact It was about six date. weeks in. Six weeks. First, Danny, what are your thoughts on that right off the bat? So tough. Like, when is it plausible to overreact? I mean, the Nationals yeah. two years ago had yep. like 10, 10, 15 games under 500, went on the win the World Series. The Dodgers in 2000. 19 or 18 they were 15 10 games under 500 everybody's freaking out oh my gosh the dodgers dynasty it's over they ended up having the best record in national league so i give it two months that's when i start to really start taking things seriously okay that's fair that is so you're saying you're not panicking about the dodgers only being 17 and 13 right now (laughs) especially because they're so beat up right now i mean yeah Yeah, true Let's see what happens here. <laughs> I am sure. disappointed that they're not on a 133 pace game, win pace now. Slightly disappointing. Yeah, well, that I thought that we talked about betting earlier on this year, mm-hmm. and I think they're over under this year was 103 games. Yep, 102 and a half, exactly. But just ridiculous. I thought that was the best bet, though, because this is a perfect example. Yes, all things go right. They could win 110 games, but all it takes is a guy like Cody Bellinger to go down, sure enough. And I don't want to say that I'm – betting on anybody being injured i'd never hope for anything like that but 103 games that's a lot it's a lot of games it really is yeah all right so let's get into the segment today contenders versus pretenders i'll go first pat i have my first team it's the san francisco giants Mm. i don't think anybody bet on them leading the division a month in i believe their record now let me just pull it up 17 and 11 17 and 11 thank you my thoughts To start off, I think they are pretenders. I love what they're doing. I love their pitching staff. Gabe Kapler, you got to give him some credit. He's been getting the most out of his players so far. Record aside, playoff hopes aside, I think some of these pitching performances specifically just aren't sustainable for the entire season. I think we're not giving enough credit to Kevin Gosman. I know he Mm -hmm. just hit the IL. But the guy's been a stud for a year and a half now, and he had some really good seasons with Baltimore, too. He just kind of had a couple skirmishes there when he got traded over to Atlanta. Just wasn't quite the same pitcher. But he's been, if you look at his numbers, his strikeout for nine, his whip, and his uh, wins above replacement, he's up there with some of the better pitchers in the National League. And I'm I'm talking about guys like Jacob DeGrom, guys like uh, Denelson Lamette, limited 
innings here. It's only been a year and a half here. It was half a season in 2020 and then the start of the season in 2021. But Kevin Gosman's been one of the best pitchers in the National League since 2020. I agree with you. I think their ceiling is very limited. Um, I think they're very similar to earlier 2010s Oakland A's teams in that mm-hmm. I don't think they have too many dominant arms in their rotation. Mm-hmm. So it's good enough to make some noise in the regular season. But when it comes down to a winner-take-all game, I think Kevin Gosman's fantastic. But if you're going against a guy like Jacob DeGrom or something in a wild-card game, uh, it's going to be tough. So a really good mix of lightning-in-a-bottle players. All credit to Farhan Zaidi in that front office for, for sure. grabbing guys like that. But I think the ceiling is definitely limited. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I, I lean pretender as well. I do think – all credit has to go to pitchers like Gosman. Anthony DiSclafani's pitching great. I, I lean towards, I'm not even sure Gosman's going to be on this team come July 31st. I, I, you know, he's on that one year qualifying offer. Playing with the Dodgers and the Padres, I expect them to start to really kick it into gear as well. I know Arizona's also playing well right now. It feels like that is going to be a really attractive trade chip for the Giants later in the season. Uh, of course, it's going to all depend on their performance as a team as well, if they're going to look to move him. But I feel like they're going to be able to get a decent haul for him. I'm just not sure there's enough hitting on this team to keep them as they are. It is awesome to see Buster Posey hitting 360 right now. Uh, it's fantastic to see him turn back the clock. Uh, I know Evan Longoria has gotten off to a pretty decent start as well. But I just I fear they're not going to be able to keep up in that division. So I would go pretender as well, even though their pitching has been out of this world so far this season. Yeah, and it's I mean, it honestly just sucks for them being in the division that they're in because if they weren't, and if it wasn't against the Dodgers and the Padres, the Padres are pretty much a shoe in for the wild card spot, probably. Then things would be interesting. They are far and away the best team if they were in the NL Central. So it's just <laughs> placement at that point. But my biggest, my boldest prediction, potentially, other than the Blue Jays not making the playoffs, as Pat knows very well, they're going to make it. I think that all three of those starters will be dealt at the deadline. Mm. Gosman, Alex Wood, and Di Scalfani. If they keep at even a quarter of this pace, I think they're all gone because the Giants are just going to wipe it. They're going to have so much money on their books. They get Joey Bard up. They have a few young guys, and then they start building from the bottom. Yeah, that's what they're really missing. I'm not going to say they're going to deal everyone. I think they're going to be in contention come that time. So, um, But – they could have upwards of a hundred million dollars coming off the books this season. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to have, who knows, maybe Freddie Freeman hits for agency and they don't extend him. It could possibly happen. Javi Baez for agent. Chris Bryant is tearing the cover off. Yes, the ball he right is. Now. Mm. It's a question of whether they can land a big hitter in San Francisco, which they haven't been able to do in recent years. Yeah. Yeah. Machado was a loss. Harper was a loss. Both of those guys. Yeah. They were in on them though. Mm-hmm. Give yeah. them, they just haven't landed any. They were uh, floated around with the Trevor Bauer talks too. I yep. mean, they've yeah. been in on these big name guys. They just had, you know, the, the contracts that Zaidi inherited really tough to work with. I don't think we're giving him enough credit for, like you mentioned, Anthony Descafani, Kevin Gosman, uh, Donovan Solano. I mean, mm. who are these guys? And they're producing on a night, uh, day to night basis. Yeah, it's like Toronto, you know, striking out on everyone before they got Springer. It's a it's a similar situation there. I'll go into one. It's probably a little controversial. Uh, I'm a little worried about them. I, I am. It's the Atlanta Braves, and I'm going to call them a pretender, which I'm surprised I'm even saying 
Uh, but just looking at it, it's not even the offense, which we all know has been struggling. Travis Darno is going to be out for most of the season. who has been one of the better offensive catchers in the sport for the last two years. Freddie Freeman's not going to hit 216 this year. But, uh, the, you know, the rest of the offense is really down other than Ronald Acuna, who's chasing that 40-40 season. It goes to the pitching, and it's something I brought up in our preseason preview for it. I understand they don't have Soroka yet, who's, you know, got ace potential when he's there. But that pitching staff hasn't been really good. I I know they have more of that quantity than quality type arms where they don't have a bunch of frontline starters, though Ian Anderson has been fantastic. Max Freed's off to a little bit of a struggle. Of course, he's injured right now. Drew Smiley's been terrible so far, who they added. I am concerned about the Atlanta Braves. I think it's still the Mets division in the East. I think Philly's been a little better than I thought. I'm still not sure what Washington is and the emergence of the entire National League West, basically. I'm concerned Atlanta could miss a playoff spot here. I know no, it's, listen, uh, I get it. I, I get it. it. It's a complicated subject because yes. if you consider them all healthy, which mm-hmm. we can't because yep. they're not all healthy, but you have guys like Mike Soroka, mm-hmm. his timeline has since been pushed back. Max Freed, as you mentioned, is injured. Charlie Morton has not pitched to his previous form. When, and not to mention, that I think the loss of Mark Melanson was huge, too, because yes. that created a void that bullpen. Mark Melanson won reliever of the month in the first mm-hmm. month of the Padres. He's been fantastic for San Diego. But to your point, too, Marcelo Zuna is not going to hit like this all season long. Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman's not going to hit like this all season long. But like The law of averages are going to come back to the middle here at some point. I'm not giving up on the Braves quite yet, that's for sure. Um, but... The injury concerns, they start to pile up. Sometimes it can, uh, you know, get too fast moving to slow back down. So they have to get healthy. Yeah. Darno is a huge, huge blow. And it's especially his story. He was finally there for then something. It was a, was it a torn thumb, a torn ligament in his thumb? That what it was? It, it yeah. was something with his hand. Yes. Yeah. Something weird like that when he was applying a tag. I respectfully disagree, Pat. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even, I don't think it's the Mets division. I I still think this is the Braves division. The only thing that makes me nervous is that I'm looking through the schedule today. And if you look at the comprehensive, comprehensive list of April to really just the end of July, we're a month in. I, I get not putting stock in records because it's early but a month of baseball is a month of baseball. Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes me nervous about the Braves is that we're still searching for them to find their form. How many games are they going to be behind in the division before they find it? How many games behind the Dodgers are going to be, are they going to be if that's what they're chasing? That being said, Freddie Freeman's going to be fine. Marcel Azuna is going to be fine. Ozzy Albies hasn't even been as good as uh, advertised. Christian Pache is still coming along. They have so many pieces that I just can't fathom a world where they don't end up fine. Yeah, their saving grace is that the rest of the NL East, everyone is around 500. No one is putting them away right now. That is for sure. They lost some depth, too. When you take Mm -hmm. away guys like Nick Markakis and Adam Duvall, those are pieces. And so when you have these injuries pile up, I think that's what the Dodgers' problem is, too, right Mm -hmm. now, is they had – that's what the Dodgers were known for. I mean, they had so much depth with Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor. All of a sudden, Kike goes to Boston. Jock goes to Chicago. You have a couple of your players go down. Now you're relying on minor leaguers to fill those spots. Yep, It's a lot to ask for. Yeah. And Zach McKinstry is still one of <laughs> underrated best players in baseball right now. But somebody like Luke Rayleigh, you don't want to see having regular appearances for the Dodgers. One thing that just crossed my mind, Shane Green is still available. Yeah. 
Yeah. I could see him working in the Braves rotation, uh, in the bullpen. I mean, they, they are still lacking that lockdown guy without Melanson. I could see that being an option for them potentially. He's a fit on so many teams. It really yeah. surprises me we're in May and he still doesn't have, it's, it's very reminiscent of Craig Kimbrell from a couple of years ago. It's uh, obviously doesn't have the ceiling that Kimbrell had, but it's, he's going to help someone wherever he goes. Yeah, if they do look the free agency, they did sign Yasiel Puig last year. If they're looking for more depth, maybe he's another – the reason he didn't end up signing that contract was because of COVID-19 mm-hmm. reasons. But if they're still interested in a guy like Yasiel Puig and now he has that case, is looking more in his favor, his off-the-field issues, he's now playing with the Mexican League. Who knows? Maybe that could be a piece for him. I hadn't even That'd thought be real of that. interesting. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. All right, moving on. I'm moving to the AL now. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this team, Danny, the A's, because I, I love what they did. I think the 13 game win streak is reminiscent of, of Billy Bean's days back the Moneyball. Moneyball era. You love hearing about that. I think they're pretenders. I think they're pretenders. And I think it's been a little bit because of that negative run differential, which you can't even believe to go on a 13 game win streak. It's actually a little bit reminiscent of the Red Sox, which Pat is going to get into in a second not because of the run differential, but just the strength of schedule, how sustainable these performances are. What, what is your read on the A's right now? So if we're talking World Series contender, I'm not calling them a contender yet. Playoff contender, absolutely. It's the same story, different year with Oakland. They need a dominant starter. Exactly. And is Jesus Lazardo able to put on that title? So far, no. He hasn't shown the command on a day-to-day basis to take over as that ace role. He is not getting ahead hitters. He's starting off hitters too often with 1-0, then he's working behind. And then he had this video game injury out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, like you're 24 years old, Hayes. <laughs> Let's get it together here. Uh, I, so I've been saying this for the last month. I think if Max Scherzer and the Nationals are not contending – as we creep towards the deadline, I see him in an American League West uniform. Wow. Could be Oakland, could be the Angels. Now, I have nobody telling me this. This is completely speculative. But to me, I think that he would be a great fit for both those teams that are in dire need of a dominant starter. I think if they were able to land a guy like Max Scherzer, if they can financially make that happen, of course, I think that puts them into that contender status, at least when we're talking about World Series. But they're definitely going to contend for a playoff spot. I mean, it is Oakland we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 we've talked about it before. I'm, I like them as a playoff contender as well. I, the position players, I, I'm not sure Elvis Andrews is the answer there at short. I know they tried to swap things around and hope they could kind of try to catch some lightning in a bottle that hasn't worked so far. I'm not sure that's going to work though. Lightning in a bottle has been caught with Jed Lowry, which is hysterical on, on many aspects. And it's great to see him back um, playing the way he is, but I completely agree with Danny and that this comes down to the pitching for them and especially the starting pitching. Cause that bullpen has been pretty decent with Trevino Petit and uh, Jake Diekman. But the Lazardo injury hurts them so much. We just mentioned Kevin Gosman. I think that is a perfect fit for, again, not front. You don't think frontline dominance with him, but you look at the numbers from Gosman over the past year plus, and he has been, as Danny said, one of the better pitchers in baseball. I think they need to go out and make a move for them to truly solidify themselves as contenders. But I do think there's enough on this Oakland team that they're going to be right there in the American League West and has a very good chance of winning it. Yeah, I think... I love Matt Al- Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. but I think they need a star on offense too. You want another offensive piece? Interesting. Yeah, I think. I mean, 
I don't think you get a guy like Scherzer, obviously, or even somebody like Gosman, who's on more of a middle tier guy, but that makes Bassett better. That makes Lazardo better just because there's less pressure on them. Even somebody like Sean Manea. I think if they can get somebody even in the one spot, who's leading off for them right now? They've it- flirted around with, uh, they've had Ramon Laureano. Yeah, I was going to say Laureano. Uh, Mark Canna has primarily taken over those. That's two. right. Laureano has had an amazing year. He's always going to be known more for his glove than his bat. I think if they can get a lockdown leadoff guy, it was, it was semi-in for a few years in and, mm-hmm. and, and 2019 where he had that monster year. But I think pitching is most important right behind that somebody on offense that can really table set for them. And then you just hope for a bit more consistently consistency offensively from Chapman and Olsen there. I think Dan, you said it perfectly because they're Oakland, they're always going to contend. You see the same thing with Tampa finances is a huge thing. Are they really going to go after somebody like Scherzer? How are they going to make that contract work? It's going to completely disarray whatever they've built for the past decade plus but that's what's going to get them over the top, just as the same thing, same move for Scherzer would put LA over the top. That's what I'm hoping for. But a- the A's need somebody like that. They were able to do it with Lester back in 2013, but yep. it did not work out for him. So no, yeah. no. we'll see if they can. The way you break it down, Scherzer's making about 30 plus million dollars. Maybe they get him for about 10 million for a third of the season. Can they make that work? I don't know. We'll have to wait to see. Yeah. And as you said, it depends how deep Oakland wants to go in their prospect pool. I believe that was the Addison Russell trade back in 2013, who was really highly regarded then. And we know how to start to his career before things got derailed. Um, I'll go to an interesting team as Emma brought up. And I think I'm saying this more for my own self and believing it now, because we've talked about it before. And it's the Boston Red Sox. And it's a team that I did not have high expectations for this year, especially because of that pitching rotation but I am firmly in the camp now that they are contenders I go through it. And what I have been most impressed with Boston has been some pieces in that bullpen. I mean, Matt Barnes has been so good at the end. Garrett Whitlock, the rule five pick. Oh my God. Playing out of this world right now. We know about a Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts has been one of the quietly, one of the best shortstop in the sport for a long time. Uh, Alex Verdugo is having a nice start to the season. Of course, the key piece from the Mookie Betts deal I've had to talk myself into this one because I keep looking at that pitching staff and saying, I don't think it can withstand. Yes, again, we're on May 4th right now. <laughs> a lot of baseball left to be played, but I think Boston, I want them to go out and acquire a starter just like Oakland, but I think they're playing themselves into real contention here. I got to ask you first, Pat, before I give you my answer. Are Please. you from, an East, from the East Coast here? Oh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> New York. <laughs> the way you said Boston, I knew from the East Coast. I'm a Long Islander. I've got a little bit of the accent. Yep. Yep. I, I hear it very clearly. Um, Boston. Uh, <laughs> my thing with them is I want, I wish we had this conversation in about a week. I want to mm-hmm. see how New York fares against Houston. Because Ooh. the Yankees were able to have some success against teams like Baltimore and Detroit. Sure. But what do we make of that? You know, those are two lower-level teams. Uh, Kluber and Tyone have looked better. But, again, those are lower-level lineups. How are they going to fare against a team like Houston that's coming in? I want to see what New York does before – and I know we're talking about the Red Sox here, but the AL East has been very confusing so far early on this year. There's no one that's – there's no one that's head and shoulders above any team. 
Um, so I, I'm more so looking at other teams in that division before I can make uh, an assumption or any kind of clear um, statement about the Red Sox because I want to see what the other teams are looking like first. Hmm. So I'm fair. a Red Sox fan. I'm from <laughs> Connecticut. And I really, I really, really like that point because the best thing that could have happened to the Yankees was facing the Orioles and the Tigers at that specific time. And, and quieting all the critics, of course, it's the strength of schedule piece. But to give the Red Sox critics some credit, it's not like Red Sox, Boston's strength of schedule has been unbelievable. Before the season started, it was okay because you expected the Rays to be better. You expected the Twins to be better. They had a couple good wins against Chicago, two wins against the Mets, and then Texas isn't that great. They actually lost three out of four. Once the Red Sox get past this Detroit-Baltimore stretch, then they have Oakland, then they have the Angels, then they have the Blue Jays, Phillies, Mets, Marlins. You got some serious competition in there that I also think if we were to have this conversation two, three weeks from now, you would have a much better comprehensive view. That being said, Matt Barnes was AL reliever of the month. No other player, this was the biggest snub of the entire awards (laughs) session or whatever you would want to call it. No other Red Sox player was named to the April team of the month. Yerman Mercedes was named the AL DH over JD Martinez. I love Mercedes, but that was not the right call. <laughs> that was not the right call because JD Martinez is finishing second in, oh, maybe third in AL MVP voting behind Trout and Otani right now. We can, one, we can press a pause on that right now. <laughs> one cause for concern with Boston is they had coming into last weekend, they had one of the highest batting average on ball and play. Mm-hmm. Is it luck? Yeah. Or are they making their yes. own luck? I don't know. But but batting average on ball plays, so it's a tough category to solely look at look at because there's players that make a career off high batting average on ball plays. So it's obviously yeah. not just luck that they're finding hits like David Fletcher, guys like that. Mm-hmm. They are making their own breaks here. So again, yeah, Boston, their lineups looked great. Is it luck? We'll have to see. Yeah, they did have one of the best offenses in baseball last year so my my thoughts going into the season I didn't think they were a playoff team I thought they had a great offense the pitching just wasn't there the pitching has overperformed which has put less pressure on the offense which has make made the offense look even better and what makes me think that Boston is actually a contender is a tweet that I saw this morning from Pete Abraham who's the writer for the Boston Globe the Red Sox three four five six hitters have had a 917 OPS which is best in the majors their seven, eight, nine hitters have a 521 OPS, which is worse than the mat in the majors. Imagine if Hunter Renfro starts hitting. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Frenchie Cordero starts to turn things around. Imagine if Bobby Dahlbeck finally heats up. Then we're talking about some serious, serious moves. And Kike Hernandez has not been as good as advertised so far either in the leadoff spot. So Emma, you're a Red Sox fan. Pat, are you a Yankee fan? I'm a Mets fan. Mets fan. I'm sorry. Dang, it's okay. Uh, for multiple reasons, I'm sorry. I was going to say you guys have a good dynamic here, New York versus, versus Boston. That's a yeah. good combo right there. It's still pretty good, especially when the Red Sox scored three runs over the two-game series against the Mets. Thank you goals. for bringing that back up when the Mets scored one run. That was that's great. Yes, yeah. So that's what we're used to going back and forth. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, as you say, that the back end of that Red Sox lineup because it's are they heating up or are they poor average hitters? Renfro, we know the average. Cordero scares me. I think he's got a 41% 
whiff rate right now. 42. 42, yeah. And that's not a whiff rate from a starting pitcher. That's a hitter. Um, so <laughs> it's it's a little scary for me there. The teeth of that Red Sox lineup's awesome. Yeah. As you, I think Kike Hernandez is going to be better than what we've seen so far. I'd like to see them lengthen it out a little bit. For me, though, it really does all come down to the starting pitching. Biggest thing that I can point to with that, 2020 worst team ERA in Red Sox history, 558. Through a month of this season, it's a 361. That is a massive, massive change. And that's why they are where they are right now. Danny, what are your thoughts on a guy like Evaldi? Coming off the, the couple arm injuries, a lot. It's, I mean, it seems like this, if Evaldi can be at this level, the Red Sox are a completely different team. Do you think it's something he can sustain? It's hard to rely on a guy like that as your mm-hmm. ace. Last I checked, I think his ERA was like three, four, two. Yeah. Especially too when the rest of your rotation is guys like Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richard. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of permanence in that yeah. rotation. So let's say hypothetically, um, apologize, my got dogs barking in the background here. No no uh, but it's hard to rely on a guy like that to be your ace when you don't have permanence in the back of that rotation. Same with New York. I yep. love Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's fantastic. But after that, when your lineup is constantly injured, Aaron Judge and Carlos Stanton, they're constantly injured. And then you build your starting rotation that has injury concerns, guys like Jameson Tyone, Corey Kluber. It's tough to ask that match out of players that have missed that much yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. What makes me feel a little bit better is that if slash when Chris Sale comes back, when he comes back, if he's at the 2018 form, early 2019 form, Avaldi doesn't have to be the ace. He can yeah. be the the mid three, low four ERA guy. And then hopefully Rodriguez, who is my sleeper AL Cy Young winner, if he can Oof. be back to his 2019 form. If they're there and you have sale, then Avaldi could be the third starter. And that is a pretty good, that's better than the Yankees rotation if they're fully healthy. It's a lot of ifs. A lot of yeah, ifs, exactly. Of ifs. <laughs> that's how I feel. A lot of ifs. All right, uh, Pat, let's go to your player. Cool. Yeah. So we're going to, do you have one more team? Uh, no, I have, I said my two teams. Oh, so, okay. Perfect. So yeah. So we'll finish up then with one player, just cause I think it's an interesting one. Uh, pretender contender Shohei Otani for American league MVP. What do you think, Danny? Oh, I'm buying. I'm, I'm all on. Oh, beautiful. You're on the right show then. <laughs> uh, he's the most impressive player in the league. And that's yep. no disrespect to guys like Mike Trout, his own teammate, Jacob Drum on the mound. What he does on both sides of the ball is something I've never seen before. He, coming into yesterday, uh, he was second in Major League Baseball in home runs with eight. I think he hit another one yesterday, so he might have yeah, hit He did, he did, yeah. Um, and then coming into this last weekend, he had the highest strikeout for nine. So you had a guy that's second in home runs, and then he's, he has the highest strikeout for nine in the American League. Jacob DeGrom's highest in the National League. Shohei was highest in the American League. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, we're in 2021, and we have a guy that's – leading in a category in pitching and in hitting. It's incredible. When I watch him do it on both sides of the ball, I am enamored. My eyes are glued to the TV. So if you, that's, we talked about this on our Wake and Rake podcast the other day. Will Middlebrook said, what if Mike Trout hits 400? Who are you giving the MVP to? I said, I'm still giving it to Shohei. If Shohei is able to put in 20 starts and is able to you know, power his team, to, his pitching staff, and then he also hits 300 and he also hits 30 home runs, I'm giving it to Shohei every time. I was going to bring up that exact debate that you and Will had because if Mike Trout hits 400, that is absolutely the most insane thing that has happened in baseball if Shohei Otani hadn't happened. The fact that he, he is the best player in baseball because 
he hits the way he hits and he pitches the way he pitches. I just like, can you give a little bit more context for the people that still think for the people like will even that still think trout would deserve that award. If big, if Shohei can stay healthy the entire season and pitch it the way he, had. I think you said, if it's like a mid three ERA and he hits 25 plus homers, what person would not vote for him for AL MVP? And before this year, we had, I had the opportunity to interview Justin Upton, Los Angeles Angels left mm-hmm. fielder. And kind of out of nowhere, he hit us with Shohei Otani is the most talented player I've ever seen. And of wow. course, Jay Up's been teammates with Mike Trout, Albert yep. Pujols for years now. And it really caught us off guard. And we we're like, whoa, now we're like a month into the season. And now we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I'm buying. It's I, if, incredible. If I just, I'm on the clock to see how long this thing can go on for. And I, and I hate when the conversation becomes that already. We're just finally seeing, what is it? The second full, full season of Shohei Otani this year. So let's just enjoy it. Let's not already put him on the clock to see when he's going to start declining and just focusing on one side of the ball. We talked to, uh, we had Jared Timms on last week who hosts an angel podcast. He thinks Shohei is the key to the angel season. I think he's the key to the angels next decade. I think he's the key to their postseason hopes. I think he's the key to their world series hopes. And then it's everybody behind him. Perry Maniazen works around him. And then you just so happen to have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, who are both top five players in baseball. So it's actually a pretty good situation in LA over there. Just need some arms. They just need, need some, some arms. arms. Exactly. That's my thing with Shohei. And I'll, I'll kind of leave it here with Shohei is he might be the best player on the planet, but to expect that much out of one player you need to build a pitching staff around him so that now you're not asking him to throw 25. Yeah. Yep. To ask him to play 140 games in a lineup and then also ask him to make 20 starts, it's really taxing on the body. So yeah. you need to add to that pitching staff so that he can make 15 to 20 starts and that's going to be plenty enough. Yeah. I was going to, I, mean, I think 10 wins. Are you there? If you can have 10 wins, that's easy win. Yeah, I mean, I rarely look at wins. I'm yeah. more so looking at starts, innings, yeah. pitch, stuff like that. But uh, I mean, Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young about a decade ago, and I think he had he was like 11 and 13. 11, yeah. Uh, and Degrom won it with 12 was, a couple years DeGrom, ago. Degrom, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I can talk all about that. <laughs> uh, I do uh, on Trout just from our friend Paul Hembakitis. 101 plate appearances so far this season. 52 times on base for Mike Trout just to show the ridiculous pace that he is currently on right now Uh, for Otani. Just some of my favorite numbers with him. He is in the hundredth percentile for barrel percentage at the plate right now. What I don't think gets talked about enough. He has six stolen bases and his sprint speed ranks in the 96th percentile of players right now. This is a guy that pitches as well going to pitching. He has still not allowed a hit on his splitter this season. It's incredible what we've seen out of Otani. I'm all in on the Otani American League MVP train uh, at both Emma and Danny, as you were saying. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before. We weren't around for Babe Ruth when he was pitching and hitting in the 1920s. Um, This is so cool. And kind of to Emma's point, I think we just got to enjoy it because he's healthy. It's incredible to watch and players aren't built like this. Jay Cronenworth throwing that one inning in relief in the 12th inning. That, that's usually what we see in, in Shohei Otani's throwing 101. I, I was going to say about the sprint speed, that is so underrated. And the other mm-hmm. thing that has been so exciting and what has been making this narrative so fun is his personality is, is starting to show. 
And yeah. Danny, you, you do such a good job on socials of painting that, of him dapping players up on the bench and strutting a little bit when he strikes players out. That's what makes this whole story so fun. And it just seems like he's having such a good time. He's meshing show, so well with Madden and the rest of the guys in, in L.A. Yeah, I appreciate that, Emma, first of all. I, I just am a fan of the game, really. Um, I think it's a testament to what how they've handled him this season, really. But in previous years, they were so scared to let him off the leash. They were so scared yeah. to have him The bubble wrap. Yeah. The bubble wrap. And now they're saying, look, we're in season three, season four now, depending on what you want to count the 2020 season. Um, let's lighten the, lighten the load a little. Let's let him go. Let's let him loose. Let's trust him. Let's have our communication open. And you're seeing the results so far. Yeah, I am all for that. And as we spoke, Enrique Hernandez just scored in the first inning for the Red Sox. So he's back. You heard it. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> the ifs are going away on the Red Sox. Full and contenders. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. No, that'll, that'll do it for pretenders and contenders. And Danny, thank you so much for coming on. You can find him at, at Danny Vietti on Twitter. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. This was fun. Pat, Emma, it was nice to meet you both. And uh, if you guys ever need anything, you guys know how to get a hold of me. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Sweet. All right, so once again, thank you so much, Danny, for coming on. We had so much fun talking baseball. You can find Danny on Twitter, at Danny Vietti, and you can also find his podcast, at Wake and Rake. Yeah, that was a ton of fun to do. So thank you so much to Danny for coming on. And I thought it was a really fun discussion we got to have. Yeah, I'm still on my train that if a player's not there in the first month of the season, it's going to be tough for them to come back. And by mm-hmm. him, I mean Francisco Lindor, Patrick. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I actually think he is the exception, contrary to what Alex Rodriguez thinks. <laughs> but I love, I mean, April baseball is fun baseball. Yeah, quite quite the takes from Alex Rodriguez to say every single swing Francisco Lindor took was quote lazy on Sunday night. Not sure, quite sure how that quantifies. Uh, but yeah, listen, as, as you said, it's been brutal for Lindor. I believe he's hitting 160 as yeah. we stand right now. He is a notorious slow starter. He's usually not this slow of a starter. His defense has been sparkling. Uh, his leadership has been apparent on the field already. Yeah. But you know, it'd be nice if he hit a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> There are. It's not like every single aspect of his game is struggling, though. He'll no. be fine. He's be still fine. so beloved in the clubhouse. I think he just needs a few hits for the Mets fans to stop booing him, and then I'll be fine. Yeah, I still can't say I agree with fans booing him yeah. uh, to my fellow Mets brethren out there, but I do understand the frustration that uh, that he has not taken off uh, from day one here. Yeah, with all the money that he earned. But mm-hmm. before we get into numbers, let's quickly go through new followers of the week once again. Make sure as you're listening to throw us a follow on Instagram and or Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. We'll shout you out on next week, on the next week's pod. This week we had two new followers on Twitter. They were both Blue Wire Hustle Podcast, Free Relief Golf Podcast, and Woso Digital. Thank you so much for that. And then on the Instagram side, Chris Lyles Jr. Make sure to go check out Sportcaster Media. I went on a podcast episode with Chris last week, which was really fun. And then also some new podcasts, Potty Mouth Sports, It's Mike Picks, and Marcus and Burns. So thank you for those follows. Make sure to throw us a follow. We'll shout you out next week. 
And Pat, we are also still on the 50 reviews train. We're at 44 now. We're six away. We're so close. We're so close. As you are listening, if you're a first-time listener and you like what you hear, or you are a loyal listener, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, scroll down, leave us a rating and review, drop your name. We'll shout you out next week, and we cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. Yeah, seriously, thank you to everyone that has taken the time to leave a review. 44 is awesome, and we would love to get to 50. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to keep things in baseball for my number this week. Let's do it. It's technically a bit delayed, but I spent a lot of time bashing on the Yankees. So I (laughs) wanted to do a Yankees number because on this show, I, I try to be relatively unbiased. I try to keep my analyst hat on. I do strongly, vehemently believe that the Red Sox are playoff contenders. I also believe that the Yankees are still there. And that being said, actually, I'm going to give myself some credit here. I've gushed about DJ LeMahieu in the past. I've also agreed that Aaron Boone shouldn't be fired. I think I've been fine to put myself to give myself some credit. I'd say so. But the craziest number I heard this week is 10. Because Giancarlo Stanton now has 10 hits, 120-plus miles per hour off of the bat there's only been one other hit recorded that fast by any other player in the stat cast era and that stat cast era started back in 2015 we talked a lot about Shohei Otani with Danny and how he is doing things that have never been done before Giancarlo Stanton even though he's on the stinky Yankees (laughs) is still doing things that have never been done before and that deserves some serious credit when you say 10 hits you mean in his career or since the stack cast error launched or this since season? the stack cast error yeah that's since that's what i thought era. 2015 yeah. yeah that is listen it is very difficult to hit a baseball that hard uh if there was anyone that would top that list he would be my guess yes uh, <laughs> on, on top of that as well we're recording this on the night of may 4th with the yankees playing the houston astros for the first time in the bronx since you know, that whole, that whole scandal came out, and Stanton has homered already in this game, so he's yeah. ready for the big, big series. Yeah, for Stanton, kind of as we talked about with Danny, it's all about health. It's he, yeah. he really has struggled to stay healthy with the Yankees. He had the same issue with the Marlins. Uh, it, he's so, so talented when he plays. Yes, there are times where he goes through cold streaks, and I know Yankee fans love to point to that he hits home runs in games that don't matter. <laughs> or when, say, they're up by a lot or down by a lot. But I think the the talent is undeniable in Stanton, especially if you look at exit velocity. Yeah, home runs never don't matter. I a agree. home run can be so important for a player struggling to get out of a slump or anything. I'm, I'm looking at his baseball savant page. His max exit velo in every single year since two, 2015, the lowest max exit velo. So the... Highest ball he has hit in every year since 2015, it has never been lower than 120.1. Oof. 120 miles off of the bat. Let's just take a moment of silence to picture that, internalize that, comprehend that, and then put it into play against 100 miles per hour pitching. All the things we've heard lately about how offense has... Never been this bad since 1968. We've never seen hitters been be this bad. Giancarlo Stan is still hitting it 120 miles off of the bat. Yeah, I still have my miles confidence. Per hour. No, you're good. I still have my confidence in Stan. I I, I yeah. would want him in the middle of my lineup, and I think he's going to have a very large role to play for the Yankees this season. 
And as you said, he is a stat cast darling. That is yes. for sure, because yes, not many sure. can light it up like he can. And the close stance. One of my favorite stances. Oh, I love league. his stance. I, love I do. It. Yes. I love no, it. for sure. All right. Cool. Take us away. Wow. Mine stays in New York, but we're changing sports. And mine okay. is going to go to the National Basketball Association. And my number is 500. And that would be that the New York Knicks have clinched their first season of at least a 500 winning percentage since 2013. At the time of recording this, they have won 12 of their last 13 games. They are 9-1 over their last 10. They are 37-28 overall. They sit at 4th in the Eastern Conference, only 3.5 games behind the vaunted Milwaukee Bucks. The New York Knicks are back, and they are going to the playoffs. It's just where they end up in the seeding. Julius Randle should be most improved player this year and should yes. honestly get some MVP votes as well. Uh, RJ Barrett has really come along this way. The Derrick Rose trade that I think we kind of talked about was a little confusing, but we got it for the Knicks, has turned out really well for them. Uh, and then, of course, Tom Thibodeau has done an unbelievable job as the head coach. Basketball is more exciting when the New York Knicks are good, and the New York Knicks are currently good. That's what I was just going to say. Everything is better when the Knicks are good. For some Blue Wire promo here, Spencer's just dropped an episode today that's titled Two Knicks Fans with Love. (laughs) And it's just an ode to just how much better the league is, how much happier New York or New Yorkers are when the Knicks are good. We should have a a tweet of the week segment because I feel like I do this every (laughs) single week. But I saw such a funny tweet a couple of weeks ago when the Yankees were in their really, really bad stretch. And it was a a scene from a movie. It was like, um, we... We have the Knicks, but at what cost? And the cost with the was the Yankees when they were really bad. It was so. I funny. know exactly what it's Thanos from Avengers saying. Yeah, you know, thank you. But the Yankees are bad, but what did it cost? Yeah, and it's the New York or the Knicks are good, but what did it cost? And cost? it's the New York Yankees. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. To, it's starting to even out now. The Yankees are going to be <laughs> yes. just fine. I think but the Yankees are going to be okay. But yeah, it is so awesome watching the Knicks, and it's a lot of pieces. Julius Randle, in my mm-hmm. book, deserves MVP consideration. Emmanuel quickly deserves rookie, rookie of the year consideration. You've got Rose, a lot of good guys, a lot of good guys, and it's a mosh pit in both divisions or both conferences. Really, I don't know how this playoff, these playoffs are going to go off with the play-ins too. The Lakers could potentially be in the play-in tournament. What? Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of storylines too. No, we are talking. about. About two and a half weeks away from the NBA postseason starting. And uh, it should be a really exciting playoffs because the knock on the NBA most of the time is you already know who the champion is going into the season or you know what that finals matchup is going to be. That is not the case this year. Not at all. And that makes it super exciting. Um, And I I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Headlined kind of by the return to relevancy of the New York Knicks playing the best defense in the entire NBA. That is the Thibodeau effect. I was just going to say, he brings that full force. And you see all these, Julius Randle has eliminated this, but New York has basically done it without a star for mm-hmm. the past couple of years. They've built from the bottom. They don't have the help of a Devin Booker, a Luka Doncic, or a LeBron and AD, obviously, or that on steroids. Julius Randle has come into his own, and it's just them, the periphery of other players that are all coming together and Thibodeau has getting I am all in lately on coaches getting the max out of their players yep. and it's mostly, He's one been, of them. it's mostly been because of Alex Cora and the effect I <laughs> see him having on the Red Sox players but Tom Thibodeau has been unbelievable 
Yeah. Absolutely a franchise changer. Yeah, it's really exciting, and it's a lot of fun to watch, and I could not be happier for Knicks fans to see them make their return to the playoffs this year. They deserve it, man. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. All right. Oh, go for it. I just wanted to say one more thing. Talking about things that are exciting. So make sure you check out last Friday's episode of the Weekly Walk-Off. It was with Jared Timms, who is the co-host of the Talkin' Halos Angels podcast on the Blue Wire Network. And Pat and I just wanted to preface this. On weekly walk-offs, maybe every other week, we won't have a very strict schedule, but as whenever we can, as frequently as we can, we're going to bring on a team-specific guest. So Jared was our first of that category. He obviously focused on the Angels. We hope maybe even throughout the entire season we'll get e- either an insider or a podcast host or a beat reporter from every team, and we'll try and do a deep dive to really reach every single team get really good conversations about it and that's something that we're super excited about yeah absolutely we're we're happy with where weekly walk-off is and we're going to continue to look to grow it knows a i'm very disappointed i couldn't be on last week's episode because it was a really fun listen so if you haven't listened to it please make sure to awesome sweet all right that will do it for us then here on the did you hear podcast make sure to follow us on spotify and subscribe to us on itunes so that you never miss an episode as well a thank you to danny vietti again of cbs sports for coming on you can follow him at danny vietti on twitter we'll make sure to tag him in our twitter post for the show Speaking of that, also make sure you leave a rating because it really helps us out. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DidYouHearPod to let us know what you think. But Emma, that's a wrap.